Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, it was an interesting game. It wasn't a great game, but it was hard to look away. Compelling basketball game last night. For those of you waking up, maybe starting your Memorial Day weekend a little bit early. If you're in your car driving somewhere across the country, be safe. I hope you guys have a spectacular long weekend. And I bet part of it will be filled with basketball. Because tonight, Game 6, the Cavs need to extend to force a Game 7. And come tomorrow, will be Game 6 in the Warriors and the Rockets series. Where I'll be surprised, I'll admit to you that I am surprised, the Rockets held off a Warriors team that made a series of not very impressive Uh, possessions down the stretch. And if you have been longing for 1990s era basketball, when you had all the ISO plays, when you had all the back down plays, when you hear like old school NBA fan talk about the physicality, the ugliness, the nastiness of that game at that point in time, you got it last night. Because over and over again, we saw ISO plays I don't know why the Warriors couldn't get the ball out of Chris Paul's hand against David West, for instance. Four straight times, he went one-on-one. I thought David West actually defended pretty well. But nobody could really stop Chris Paul until Chris Paul stopped himself with what may be an unfortunate injury that could end up derailing him for the remainder of this series. If you pay attention to odds... The odds markets have moved in a big way toward the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors now an 11-point favorite on uh, Saturday night in Oracle. And obviously, they're a very good team at home regardless. But an 11-point favorite is a massive home favorite in uh, in a competitive playoff series. So I think that is a pretty good sign 
that this Chris Paul injury could be very significant. And in particular, and I hate to say it, but to me, it's the biggest story coming out of this. Uh, Brandon Wright, who joins us a lot, NBA veteran, uh, said that looks like he said he texted me during the game. Uh, he's on his way out to Las Vegas for a bachelor party. He'd be on to talk with us early this morning. Uh, he said, looks like Chris Paul is hurt for real. If it's a strain, he's done. And he said, uh, as a guy who's played in the NBA for a long time, he said, I noticed there was not stretching or foam rolling on the sideline uh, going on to try to rehabilitate Chris Paul. He said, uh, that probably means he felt a pop, most likely a strain. Uh, and if it's a strain and the hamstring, if you've ever had a hamstring injury out there, if anybody's ever pulled it, it's really difficult to come back from, particularly in anything where you're trying to do an explosive movement because you just don't trust yourself because at any moment you can get a further injury. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about from this uh, from this game last night. What does it mean going forward for the NBA? Uh, a ton to dive into, but I want to hit some audio with you here uh, because many of you are probably like me. And as soon as that game ended, you turned it off and you haven't necessarily been able to keep up with what was said in the post game. So uh, Steve Kerr was talked about uh, the final play of the game and Draymond basically fumbling the football. I mean, he looked like a wide receiver on that pass who was not expecting to receive the pass and as a result just fumbled it or was already looking like he was trying to make a move to get towards the basket and was trying to look ahead and he forgot to just make the catch. Here's Steve Kerr explaining the last play of the game. I think Clay may have been in the far right corner, so we had the floor spread. I, th- I thought Draymond just rushed it a little bit and fumbled it, um, but it, you know, it was the play was unfolding nicely. It just didn't turn out, obviously. Uh, Draymond Green uh, was asked about the Chris Paul injury, which obviously unfortunately for the Rockets, could end up deciding this series. Again, the Warriors an 11-point favorite in Game 6. That suggests most are not anticipating Chris Paul playing, given how poorly James Harden is playing right now. I think he's missed either 18 or 19 consecutive three-point shots, which is almost impossible to pull off. Granted, he got to the free-throw line and he made some plays there, but I believe he was 5-for-21 from the field and the ghost of the awful Game 6 performance that he put forward with the Oklahoma City Thunder when they had a chance to eliminate the same Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago hangs over his head. And uh, I'm not that confident that James Harden could lead this team. I thought Chris Paul was phenomenal down the stretch. Here is what uh, Draymond Green said about the Chris Paul injury. We got to prepare like he's going to play. You know, he's a great player. Um right in the middle of everything they do. We're not going to come out and, you know, go back home and say, oh, man, Chris Paul ain't playing. Like, that's that's their focus and not ours. Ours is to prepare as if he's playing. And if he's not, then, you know, we got to make an adjustment. But I'd rather adjust to him not playing uh, as opposed to trying to adjust to him playing. That's uh, Draymond Green talking about the injury to Chris Paul and how serious he is going to, in fact, end up being injured. Could it cause him to miss game six and maybe game seven and or not be able to play at a very high level? Uh, finally, uh, on our audio clips here, if you were watching the game, uh, we had some incredible shots that Chris Paul hit. One of them was on uh, Steph Curry and other one, a couple of them were on David West. But after he drained a three under perfect defense from Steph Curry, 
he did a uh, a pretty phenomenal uh, replica of the uh, Curry Game 3 celebration and a little shoulder shuffle. And here was Steph Curry. It was so good, even Steph Curry laughed during the game. Here was Steph Curry on that play. Oh, it was well-deserved. It's a tough shot. If you can shimmy on somebody else, you got to be all right getting shimmied on. So I'll keep shimmying, and maybe he will too. So we'll see what happens. That was pretty great. Um, and uh, and credit to Steph Curry for taking that in stride. So where do we find ourselves in this uh, in this series right now? A couple of things. The Warriors in Game 4 and in Game 5 now had the chances to win this game. In particular, after Chris Paul gets injured and is not able to run back down the court, the Warriors have a 5-on-4. And the five people that they have on the floor at this time, I believe I'm correct in this. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. They've got Draymond Green, pretty good player. Klay Thompson, pretty good player. Steph Curry, pretty good player. And Kevin Durant, pretty good player. That's four guys that I believe one day are going to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, you can argue with me. You can dispute that. But I think all four of those players, certainly Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are first ballot NBA Hall of Famers. I think Klay Thompson and Draymond Green have shown enough to suggest that they have very good chances of being Hall of Famers one day. So you have four Hall of Famers in my mind on the court. And then I believe I we, we have Quinn Cook on the court, if I'm not mistaken. Who? So you got four, who, who was on the court? Who was the who? fifth guy? Quinn Cook, right? I think the vast majority of people out there right now are reacting just like Danny G did. <laughs> who? Yeah, I mean, I know it because I watched the game, but you're right. For a casual NBA fan, they've never heard of this guy. So if you and, – and that leads to this question, which I think is a, uh, is a tough one, but I think it's an honest one. Even when Quinn Cook is wide open from three, do you want Quinn Cook taking that shot when you've got four Hall of Famers on the court? I know that he's on the court for a reason, and this obviously is because of the Andre Iguodala injury, and I think that that has been relatively impactful, particularly on the defensive end where it has created a lot of mismatch opportunities that the Rockets have exploited because Iguodala is a great defender and he can switch on all those pick-and-roll plays where you have to switch defensive players without finding a guy who is then mismatched. So I think that is um, that is the biggest uh, hindrance that has impacted the overall game is just the Rockets don't have that fifth defensive player who also has some offensive juice, but Quinn Cook is on the court. Do you really want Quinn Cook taking that three-pointer even if he's wide open because Chris Paul is still down there? And look, I don't blame the Rockets. If I'm the Rockets and I've got that situation, it's a five on four. We're up one point. Our leader has just injured himself and is not able to get back down the court. And I think that's why the other reason this injury is very severe. You can criticize Chris Paul for a lot over the course of his career. The guy's a gamer. He plays his ass off. If you watch that game, he was effectively the coach on the floor. So I don't buy into the idea that he pulled himself out of the game and he didn't get back down the court because he was being dramatic and felt like he was fouled or anything like that. But do you really leave uh, that as your go-to shot? If you're the Rockets and you're one man down, 
you got to be thinking your lucky stars that it's Quinn Cook there pulling the trigger to try to win the game from three. I personally think you probably, if you're Quinn Cook, have to put the ball on the floor. Maybe you got to be just like, you know what? I'm wide open. I have to shoot. But personally, I'd rather have any of the four other guys taking a contested three than I would Quinn Cook a wide open three. And given the fact that you're only down one and you have a one-man advantage on the court at that time, isn't the play to go to the basket and try to, the way they're calling that game, try to draw a foul or at least get somebody else wide open for a look that might one day play in the Hall of Fame as opposed to Quinn Cook? I think there are a lot of moments down the stretch there. A lot of people are going to focus on the Draymond Green fumbled pass after, by the way, and this was significant, the Warriors had to inbound the ball on the baseline because they took their time out after they had thrown a pass. That was a significant error too. Because if you're inbounding at midcourt with six point something seconds left, you don't have that frenzied let's get down the court philosophy in mind and you're better able to get something going to the basket without having to push anything. But I thought that Draymond Green fumbled pass was a significant play. But to me, it just further reiterated, man, the Warriors had a chance to have ended this series. They very easily could have finished this in five. Instead, they're now down 3-2. And much like in 2016, they're going to have to win a game on the road to extend this series in advance to the NBA Finals. It's crunch time for the Warriors. I think they win game six. I think they come back down to Houston for game seven. And we'll have to see between now and then what the status of Chris Paul's hamstring is. I don't anticipate that we'll get much information because I think the Rockets will try to keep that info close to the vest. Part of me thinks, do you even want to get him on the plane? I think that injury that he's got is severe enough for game six. Maybe you believe having him on the bench and having him in practice and having him on the plane and everything else is the most impactful possible. But wouldn't it likely be better for a strained hamstring to not get on a cross-country flight from Houston to uh, the, the Bay Area and walk on it and everything else? Personally, I'd get him in a hyperbaric chamber or whatever you have to do and keep him there for like the next four days and see if he could be ready to go in Game 7. I don't think there's any way he plays on Saturday night in Game 6. We'll see. Uh, much to get to. We're going to talk with my guy Lance Taylor up next at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. I hope all of you are having fantastic Fridays. Good starts to your Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for spending it with us. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage, and we'll be right back with Lance Taylor continuing to break down Game Five. The Rockets. All congrats to Rockets fans. Houston now up three-two. Can the Warriors win two in a row? And frankly. Can the Cavs win two in a row? We'll break it all down for you today. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Got two game sevens that I think are likely to happen now. The Cleveland Cavaliers tonight are seven-point favorites. The Golden State Warriors on Game 6 right now are either 10.5 or 11-point favorites, which is a massive amount to be favored in an NBA Finals series, suggesting two things. One, that oddsmakers have a lot of faith in Golden State to come back and win at Oracle. Two, I think they're factoring in a Chris Paul injury and anticipating that he won't be playing 
And given how impactful he has been for this team, that's obviously a substantial hit to the Rockets' chances. Now, Chris Paul didn't talk to media after the game. They said he was receiving treatment on his hamstring. That's obviously also a bad sign, but I don't think the Rockets are going to tell us anything at all um, uh, what exactly the uh, the impact is going to be of this injury. I don't anticipate we will know much of anything uh, about Game 6, and then if he doesn't play much in Game 6 or maybe even make the trip and travel, I still don't think we'll know much about Game 7. I think he'll come out in warm-ups. I think he'll go through the motions of attempting to play. I think it's also fair to say that if Chris Paul is out for Game 6 and Game 7, that the Warriors would be favored in Game 7 as well. And frankly, that 10.5-point line in Game 6 or 11, depending on where you're gambling right now, tells me that likely the Warriors would be favored in Game 7 if Chris Paul doesn't play either. Because that was the, in Houston, this game was basically a pick I think the Rockets were maybe a one-point favorite. And I think anybody who watched Game 5 would have said, man, this was ugly. It wouldn't shock me if Game 7 is also ugly. Defensively, both teams kind of uh, have have battened down the hatches. We'll see whether Andre Iguodala coming back can make a difference for the Warriors, assuming that Iguodala can come back and that his injury isn't more severe than is being let on so far as well. But to me, in the wake of Game 5, The biggest story by far is Chris Paul's health. It's not even what happened in Game 5 itself. Chris Paul made some incredibly difficult shots in the second half. James Harden vanishes, goes 0 for 11 from 3, 5 for 21 from the floor, and he has the ghost of Game 6 in the Western Conference Finals two years ago hanging over his head. I still feel pretty good about the Warriors' chances to go out and win Game 6 and Game 7. I certainly feel better about the Warriors' chances of doing that than I do of the Cavs' chances. Let me bring in Jason Martin. Uh, Jason Martin, of those two situations, which one do you feel more comfortable in? Which Game 7 team is more likely to win it on the road, assuming they can force Game 7, the Cavs or the Warriors? I would say definitely the Warriors. Uh, we, I think we are going to have two Game 7s, as do you. I think it'll be the first time since 1979 that both NBA Conference Finals actually reach a Game 7. So it's been a minute since we've seen this happen. Um, don't mistake the fact that we might get two Game 7s for the fact that we've had a bunch of great games leading up to those Game 7s. Last night was not great basketball for the vast majority of that game. Drama doesn't mean quality. James Harden has missed his last 23-point shots. He was 0 for 11 last night. He missed his last nine uh, out in Golden State in Game 4. That's the worst statistic for anybody since Robert Ory back in 2003. So James Harden did not show up. You got a game last night where Chris Paul and James Harden, although Paul made some ridiculous 30-foot threes falling away from the basket, they were 11 for 40 combined. The two stars of the Rockets were 11 for 40. If you just knew that one statistic, you would think that the Warriors won in a rout. But Kevin Durant has been hideous in the last two games, has not shown any aggression whatsoever, disappeared down the stretch yesterday, disappeared and made the wrong basketball play in Game 4 at the end of those games. 8 of 22 last night, 9 of 24 in the game before And it looks like a lot of times the Warriors are basically saying Kevin Durant go win this game and make tough shots. And Kevin Durant has not been able to do that. But the Warriors are are much more equipped 
to go back and win in Houston. And if I am the Rockets, I know you like gambling and you like to play the numbers. The chances that the Rockets, even with Chris Paul, go back to Oracle and win again against the Golden State Warriors is not good. I don't play Chris Paul tomorrow if he's not 100%. If he's 90%, I don't play him. Because you know that if he goes out there and you lose and he tweaks that thing or he's not able to get that hamstring exactly where it needs to be for Game 7, then you don't have a prayer. Because you can't win without him on the floor against this team. So if it's me, I shut him down right now. I'm not saying I announce it, but I do not play him tomorrow. I'm not sure I even fly him. I mean, if, if it, and again, I, Brandon Wright can't come on because he's going out to a bachelor party, but he, I thought it was instructive that we were texting during the game and he really kind of put it in context. Uh, I think it's, he said, look, it, look he, and he was on the Rockets up until uh, a couple of months ago and he got his own injury and had to be out. Uh, he said, he looks like Chris Paul is hurt for real. If it's a strain, he's done. Uh, and then he said, and I think this is a, a big deal as well, uh, I noticed there was no stretching or foam rolling. In other words, when he went to the bench, it wasn't like they started in any way trying to rehab him to get him back into what was really a tight game. And that, uh, according to Brandon Wright, means probably means he felt a pop, most likely a strain. Uh, and then Brandon Wright agrees with us. He says, I'd sit him for game six and put all the chips in for game seven. Uh, and then he says it might not even matter depending on what the MRI says uh, tomorrow. And that's a guy who's been through a lot of injuries over the years. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the flight situation, I know they are not traveling commercial and everything else, but the, uh, the, the strain on the body that comes from traveling, I'm not kidding about this. I would put him into whatever extreme rehab we can get into to try to get that hamstring in as good a shape as possible in hopes of having him come back for Game 7. There's info out there, a little bit about Chris Paul. Yeah, What's the latest? There is. I mean, CP3 could be lying to our friend Mark Spears, but after he left the Toyota Center, Mark asked him if he was all right, and he said, yeah, I'll be fine. And then Mark asked him about Game 6, and Paul replied, I'll be good, before being whisked away in a Maybach. So... <laughs> And maybe yeah, he wants heard, to play. I mean, maybe, maybe he wants to play. That's what a, that's what a gamer should want to do. I mean, Andre Iguodala tried everything he could to get on the floor last night, but Steve Kerr said, look, he can't run. We can't put him out there because he can't run. Chris Paul is going to say optimistic things. I still don't play that guy. Yeah, and look, I, I wouldn't give any info out on him if I were the Rockets either. I would guard the fact that he's not on the team plane, try to avoid that information getting out if we decide not to fly him if I'm the Rockets. Uh, you know, I, I would if we do fly him, I would not. I would bring him out in warm ups. I wouldn't let people know until the last possible minute um, that he was not going to play. Now you can tell people internally on the team, hey, uh, Chris Paul's hurt. We're going to sit him for Game Six. He'll be back for Game Seven. Uh, but I would, uh, I would a hundred percent, you know, use all of the subterfuge I could in a series this competitive to make the Warriors believe they're going to have to play against Chris Paul in game six and game seven and uh and and everything else should be a, a factor of that I mean again I tweeted as soon as the as soon as the game was over I hate that the storyline going into game six is going to be is Chris Paul done for the series or not because I think he really significantly injured himself and again I think it's also significant that they weren't even trying to work on him on the bench as competitive as that game was 
And as much as Chris Paul uh, monopolizes the ball for Rockets, uh, for the Rockets team in situations such as that, there's no way on earth that Chris Paul is sitting out the final half second of that game if he's anything other than dramatically injured. And so, and the fact that they didn't even bother, like uh, Brandon Wright said, trying to do any treatment on him during all those timeouts that were taking place during that final 30 seconds of the game is to me a testament of how far from being ready he really was and how significant he thinks that that injury could be. So we'll have to wait and see, obviously, tomorrow and then coming back on Monday night to see what the overall impact is going to be. Let me bring in, uh, I'm not even sure who we got uh, out to do the uh, update right now. Uh, Eddie is back, I believe. Uh, Eddie Garcia in town and back at work. Uh, glad to have you back, man. Uh, and sorry for your loss. What uh, What can you tell us about uh, the world of sports in general? Well, thank you, Clay. Uh, let's give you your Geico playoff report. Of course, the big game last night, Game 5 Western Conference Finals. As the Rockets beat the Warriors 98-94, Eric Gordon off the bench, 24 points to lead Houston. Chris Paul had 20 before leaving in the final minute with what appears to be a serious right hamstring injury. James Harden 0 for 11 from three-point range, but he finished with 19 points to help Houston take a 3-2 series lead. Kevin Durant had 29 points to lead Golden State, but zero field goals in the fourth quarter. One baseball game of note, battle of division leaders, Astros over the Indians in Cleveland 8-2. Houston's got a three-game lead on Seattle atop the AL West. Cleveland's lead on Minnesota atop the AL Central is down to a game and a half. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to the NBA, where Cleveland's LeBron James and Houston's James Harden were unanimously voted to the All-NBA First Team. For James, it's his record 12th time in his 15-year career. He's All-NBA First Team. Also joining Harden and James were Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and Damian Lillard. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good deal. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I always think it's instructive in situations like this to pay attention to the odds market. And I've already mentioned the Warriors are 10.5 or 11-point favorites. But uh, the Warriors also are still minus 134 uh, to win the conference i mean yeah to win the series and therefore win the conference so even though they are down three to two the odds makers out there are still making the warriors a favorite to win this series against the rockets now part of that's because the warriors are now such big favorites in game six but i think that's also a substantial uh analysis of the uh of the injury to chris paul in general i don't think vegas is expecting him to play very significantly in game six or seven based on the numbers that we're seeing right now so obviously uh nobody uh, here is a doctor claiming to be able to have the access to chris paul's medical history but the markets out there are reacting as if this is going to be a significant injury and chris paul is likely to miss significant time now let's go back to the end of game five in general the warriors i believe had three different chances if i'm not mistaken to win this game The first opportunity they had, Steph Curry goes to the basket, gets a pretty good look. It's a runner. It bounds off the the rim, and the Rockets get the rebound. Then the Warriors get the ball, and Chris Paul is injured. They've got a five-on-four, and Quinn Cook, who, to be fair, is a 44% on-the-year three-point shooter, 
has as clean and as wide open of a look as is possible. Now, Steph Curry was also coming wide open at the top of the key. James Harden had lost him, and Curry was going to have either a wide open three or he could have pump faked out of the three and gone right to the basket. Either way, the Warriors were going to maintain a five-on-four advantage. In the final possession of the game, that counted because the Warriors got the ball back after they were down four. But down one point, the Golden State Warrior, down two points at that time, the Golden State Warriors get the ball back with six seconds left. James Harden, I mean, sorry, uh, we hit Draymond Green in stride. He fumbles the basketball and it rolls out of his possession. Of those three final possessions, Kevin Durant is not involved at all. And Kevin Durant has gone basically ghosted on everybody down the stretch of these games when it comes to making big-time shots or even, frankly, attempting big-time shots. Do you have any issue with the way the Warriors finished the game with those three possessions? And I'll ask the crew, but to me, let me explain my thoughts. That Steph Curry going to a basket shot, I've got no issues with. Steph had a ton of really difficult finishes at the rim Uh, He's not an explosive athlete who's ever going to dunk the ball. But Curry has developed into a pretty elite finisher at the rim, given that people have to overplay him on his shooting. He can get to the rim, and he's gotten so much better at being able to finish at the rim than he used to be. So I have no problem with that first shot. In fact, I think it was a pretty good one. Second shot. I know that Quinn Cook is around a 44% free throw, I mean, three-point shooter this year. I know he's wide open and that probably you have to take that shot in that situation. I still kind of wish he had either gone to the basket or passed it to one of his Hall of Fame teammates there, given the fact that the Warriors were playing five on four and were likely, I mean, statistically almost have to end up with a good look somewhere, given the fact that they have a one man advantage. They've almost got they've got effectively a power play there with Chris Paul down on the other end. The final place situation I don't think there's anything you can point to other than Draymond Green made a bad play. He was running full speed. He dropped the basketball. And that's not necessarily anything that was done wrong about the play design. So I don't know that you can really criticize the Warriors aggressively given all of those circumstances. Then they had three chances to win the game and frankly kind of in the series. Because I think if the Warriors had made one of those shots going back home as double-digit favorites, they would be like a 90% chance to win this series. Jason Martin, what was your breakdown of those final three possessions that I just ran through? The Warriors obviously didn't close well in Game 4. They have not closed well in Game 5. But is that a function of just missing shots, or do you have a larger issue systemically with the shots that they've gotten? Well, I don't have any problem with Curry, certainly, as you didn't. Quinn Cook, the only reason he's on the roster, the only reason he's in the NBA is to take threes, but he was 0 for 3. I'm probably not going to ride with Quinn Cook. I'm going to try and ride with one of the Hall of Famers, which is something else I heard you say back in the first segment. I And Draymond, look, that's going to happen. He plays aggressive. He plays to win. Sometimes it'll get the better of him, and you, know, you lose your balance. He lost his balance. He lost the basketball, and it didn't go his way. My bigger problem remains with Kevin Durant. Because what I've seen from Kevin Durant throughout his career is a guy that does not respond particularly well to adversity. He doesn't like when he's criticized either. When you saw when the media started to go after him in Oklahoma, all of a sudden you started hearing rumblings, maybe he would leave. And he did leave. 
He has not faced adversity on a basketball floor since he got to Golden State. It has not happened. Now he's playing against the Houston Rockets team that is playing a little bit tougher defense on him, but he's shrinking in the moment yet again when it's actually something that he should be able to take care of at his side. Look, you're not supposed to be seven feet tall, shoot the way he does, move the way he does, handle the ball the way he does, but he's not compartmentalizing particularly well. He disappeared down the stretch last night. He made a couple of bad decisions at the end of the game prior, and he didn't play particularly well at all there either. I mean, the whole team went 3-for-18 in the fourth quarter. He's a guy that you should be able to rely upon, and he should know that, and he should want to take the onus. But since there has not been any futility on the court, then all of the problem has just come with his emotions and things like that. Well, now here's the Houston Rockets staring him in the face saying, okay, beat us. And Kevin Durant has not done that. Kevin Durant has not been able to make the big shot. He's actually passed the ball out of his own hands. And this reminds me of the Kevin Durant that I saw in the final two games against Golden State the year prior to him joining the Warriors. When they had a 3-2 series lead on the Warriors, could not hold it, and Durant fell apart. Now, he played well in Game 7, and he may well play play well in Game 7 if they're able to force one in this series. But Game 6 and Game 5 in that series, he was utterly atrocious for the Oklahoma City Thunder in that series. And that's the Kevin Durant that I'm seeing right now. I don't think there's a systemic problem in Golden State. I don't think Steve Kerr has made bad decisions. I think that they had a chance, multiple chances to win last night. But Kevin Durant is supposed to be the second best player in the world. And he possesses gifts that almost no one else does at his size. And yet, it doesn't seem like you can rely upon Kevin Durant to show up in a close game when the adversity is strong because he's never proven that in his career in the playoffs. If LeBron had been doing what Kevin Durant has done in games four and five, people would lose their mind. Durant, yes. while he thinks he's being unfairly treated by the by the media, has actually, for the most part, gotten glowing media coverage up until his decision to abandon Golden State. I mean, to abandon Oklahoma City and go to Golden State. And then he came in for a glut of criticism. But this idea that the media has been really tough on Kevin Durant is, I think, an entirely mental creation of his own. But I think it's fair to say that Kevin Durant is more of a front-running star than he is a let's dig deep and go to uh, the well of adversity here and overcome a lack of uh, a lack of success. Remember, this is a guy who couldn't get past the round. The, the, the he won one game in the NCAA tournament. Think about how crazy it is to only win one game with Kevin Durant. Now I know he's 19 years old at the time, but when you really break it down, I know he won a championship last year. But the Golden State Warriors went 16-1 and in the playoffs last year. And prior to this series, Golden State had gone, or even at, including the first game, they'd gone 9-2 and and led in every series. This is the first time they've really ever trailed in a series since Kevin Durant got to Golden State. And I thought they would win Game 5. They didn't. They had a lot of chances to. And uh, Kevin Durant, in a moment where he could have come up big, he shrunk. Uh, We'll continue to break this down for you. We'll open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. I'll put up a poll question. Who do you feel more comfortable about, the Cavs or the uh, Warriors being able to come back and force and win a Game 7? The other question I've got for you is this. As much as the NBA wants to argue that things are going well with the league, 
I think most of you out there, myself included, have anticipated that we would get a Warriors-Cavs fourth-time rematch. And that certainly would, I think, provoke a lot of interest. Now, it's boring a little bit because I'm not sure what you or I could say uniquely about that new series. But what would happen if we ended up with, I mean, is it crazy to believe, a Houston versus Boston Celtics series? Both those teams are up 3-2 right now. We'll talk about it. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Got a poll question up and uh, you can go uh, check that out and vote on it if you would like and find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Which team more likely to come back from a 3-2 deficit and win the series in seven? The Warriors or the Cavs? And uh, right now, uh, most of you are agreeing with me. You're saying the Warriors 66% likely. I actually think that both of them have a pretty good chance to still win the series. Uh, the Cavs are a seven-point favorite tonight. The Boston Celtics are one and six so far on the road in their uh, in their playoffs this year. So I don't feel very optimistic about them performing at a high level. And uh, meanwhile, the Warriors have been really competitive in two of the three games that they've played in Houston so far. They didn't play well in game two. But like I said, I mean, you change a couple of plays here and this series is over. The Rockets could have lost in five games, four to one, because uh, in general, maybe even should have uh, the Warriors probably should have won game four. And if you look at the, the stat lines of Chris Paul and James Harden, Warriors probably should have won game five, too. So uh, would you guys agree with the poll question answerers out there that uh, that the Warriors are by far the most likely team to come back and win in a seven-game series? Yeah, although I do agree with you. I do think it's possible that both could, uh, but I would definitely go with Golden State first. And though one other point off of my Durant point, Durant is saving James Harden's ass right now from being crushed because James Harden last night had more turnovers than he did made field goals. And that 0 for 11 from 3 is tied with John Starks in 1994 for the most three-point attempts without a make in the history of the NBA playoffs. This is the MVP of the league. One of the great offensive, just one-on-one offensive players you will ever see in the NBA. And that dude is playing like trash. Absolutely right now. But Durant is bailing him out as if they're still teammates in Oklahoma City. If Quinn Cook had drained that three, and that sounds like a ridiculous statement to make, the number one story today would be James Harden. And if the Warriors had managed to win game four, which they very well could have, and then they had won game five, two, and James Harden had gone out missing, like you said, what did you say? How many threes in a row has James Harden missed? 20. 20. If the Warriors had won both those games, which they very well could have, and James Harden goes 0 for 20 from three down the stretch... He has now completely earned the reputation as the least clutch player in the modern day NBA. I mean, right? I mean, because that would be by far the number one story would be, man, the Rockets won 65 games in the regular season, but when it got down to crunch time, James Harden went 0 for 20 from three. I mean, it's hard to miss 20 straight shots when you are a good shooter in the NBA. And uh, you're right that that would be by far the number one story. People wouldn't be focusing on Durant at all. And yeah, in general, that's the way things go, though, right? We we look at the yeah. result and then we unpack the reason why the result happened. And if your team won, even if you played poorly, you get to escape criticism. 
And uh, if your team loses, even if you play well, you're still going to come in for some criticism. I mean, look, I, I went after LeBron yesterday because I thought he played a disinterested basketball game in game five. Still had a double-double. Still had what would be a pretty good game for most people. But you don't get judged by the standard of most people when you're an elite top-of-the-line athlete. You get judged by the standard for elite top-of-the-line Hall of Fame athletes. And by those standards, Kevin Durant has shrunk in the moment. And I think certainly LeBron James, at least in Game 5, most recently shrunk in the moment. Now, I think the Cavs come back, force a Game 7. And by the way, if you are out there and you're an Eastern Conference fan, if that Chris Paul injury is as significant as it appears that it could be, that really throws everything back up for grabs in the NBA Finals. Because if you were the Cavs or you were the Celtics, I think you could argue that that team is every bit as competitive as the Rockets without Chris Paul. I mean, suddenly everything is on James Harden. And based on the way we've seen him play so far, does anybody feel like James Harden is likely to be able to pick up the team and carry them? Not so far. So, I mean, it's not just that this Chris Paul injury could be significant for what happens in Game 6 and Game 7. Even if the Rockets find a way to get one of these games, the Warriors continue to not play that well. And certainly, if you look at what they did in Game 4 and pair it with how this game started, the Rockets played about, I mean, the Warriors played about as bad of a half as they possibly could have if you combine Game 4, final quarter, and first quarter. We'll talk about that and more still coming up, Hour 2 on OutKick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Yesterday and uh, all throughout the day, ever since the NFL made their decision about what the anthem policy should be, everybody's been weighing in. And in particular, I think there has been a total failure by the media to contextualize and give you information that's useful. And I think the sports media very often has this happen where there's nobody out there who really is using facts to make legitimately strong and logical arguments. And let me tell you this. Uh, Right before game five, Steve Kerr decided that he needed to weigh in on the NFL's anthem policy, and he had this to say. They're just playing to their fan base, and they're just uh, basically trying to use the anthem as uh, fake patriotism, nationalism, uh, scaring people. It's idiotic, but that's how the NFL has handled their business. All right, so Steve Kerr taking a shot at the NFL over the anthem. Now, I hear very few people who have an issue with the anthem in the NFL discussing the anthem in the NBA at all. The NBA's policy is actually more draconian than the NBA, than the NFL's policy. And let me go ahead and run through this, and then I want to tell you why that rule exists. The NBA has an official rule. Players, coaches, and trainers are to stand and line up in a dignified posture along the sidelines or on the foul line during the playing of the national anthem. Back in 1996... The NBA had their own anthem controversy after Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who many of you will remember as Chris Jackson when he was at LSU, made the decision to refuse to stand for the Star-Spangled Banner before games. He said the flag was a symbol of oppression and that the United States had a long history of tyranny. 
on March 12th, 1996, the NBA suspended Abdul Raouf for his refusal to stand, costing him nearly $32,000 per missed game. Two days later, he worked out a compromise because he was indefinitely suspended and not allowed to play the game because he refused to stand for the national anthem, agreeing that he would stand during the playing of the national anthem, but he could close his eyes and look downward. He usually silently recited Islamic prayer during this time, uh, and uh, he did that as a way to draw attention to all those suffering from all walks of life and ethnic backgrounds. He was later effectively cashiered and forced out of the league, even though he had enough talent overall to stay in the league. Now, I know that in this modern era of Twitter social activism, where all these people are twoke all the time, running around Twitter woke, nobody has any actual historical context on which to base their opinions. But the NBA had their own Colin Kaepernick controversy in 1996, and they specifically, specifically made the decision to be even more aggressive than the NFL had and forced Chris Jackson, Mahmoud abdul Rauf to stand for the anthem. Otherwise, they were not going to allow him to play. They suspended and fined him in 1996, and since then, every NBA player has stood for the national anthem. So if you are mad at the NFL, shouldn't you be even madder at the NBA? Yet all I hear is people out on these Twitter streets and people out there with their opinions and everything else focusing on the NBA uh, being a great place and the NFL being an awful place. NFL players actually have more freedom of expression than NBA players do when it comes to the national anthem. If you want to protest the national anthem, you don't have to come out and stand for the playing of the national anthem in the NBA, you have to stand. And hardly anyone, I bet, has discussed this or you've heard it analyzed anywhere in the country because everybody is focusing on the NFL anthem policy and nobody is focusing on the NBA one. The truth of the matter is this. The reason why the NBA wants players to stand for the national anthem and has a rule requiring them to do so is because it's good for the business of the NBA. And the reason why NFL fans want, by and large, for NFL players to stand is because they believe that players should stand for the national anthem. The reason why the NFL wants it to happen is because it's good for their business, too. Same reason it is for the NBA. And if you remember, Adam Silver came out before the this, this season started and said all the players were going to stand. It is, I think, a uh, a flagrant, flagrantly dishonest perspective to argue that the NFL is somehow worse than the NBA when it comes to this anthem debate. And by the way, the mere fact that Steve Kerr is weighing in on the NFL's anthem policy before the start of game five, a massively significant game for his team is I think a little bit wacky. Can you imagine Bill Belichick before the Super Bowl weighing in on what the NBA's anthem policy is? Can you imagine if he got asked that in his pregame media availability? Bill Belichick, what do you think about the NBA's anthem policy? He'd be like, 
Get the f out of here! I'm not I don't on care snap about the face NBA. Yeah, I'm not there on you go. He's not on snap face. That. Not on snap face. So he wouldn't know what was going on on a day to day basis, maybe on social media. But there's no way that an NBA NFL play uh, coach before a big game would weigh in on NBA decisions. And by the way, this goes to a larger context. The NBA is at best one tenth as popular as the NFL. So far this year. No NBA game, including all their playoff games, has outrated a Monday night football or Thursday night football regular season game. No NBA playoff game has outrated the NFL's Pro Bowl, which gets universally ridiculed and everybody says, man, why does this even exist? The Pro Bowl has had more viewers than every NBA playoff game so far. And as if that were not enough, ridiculously enough, the NFL draft has outrated every single NBA playoff game so far. That's a pretty uh, substantial statement being made about what this country cares about. Now, the NFL ratings have dropped 20% in the past two years. And on this show, I have been one of the few people in media who said, hey, I think the reason why this is happening is because many fans are disgusted with the politicization of football. And so what the NFL is trying to do here is put the focus back onto the field. Now, my biggest issue with the NFL is they should have immediately fined Colin Kaepernick and threatened him with suspension for not standing for the national anthem the moment that he did it. The NFL hoped this story would disappear. But I do think it's insanely instructive to contemplate Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf in 1996 doing almost the identical thing that Colin Kaepernick did and how the NBA responded was the exact same as how the NFL has responded, except much more aggressive in demanding that he stand for the national anthem. The NBA suspended him indefinitely and docked him $32,000. They were not going to allow him to continue to play. Have you heard that discussed anywhere else? And does it surprise you a little bit? I'll bring in the crew. I'll also open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Twitter and social media in particular has a habit in this day and age of creating heroes and villains. There's very little nuance that is ever contemplated in our country today. Everything because of social media, which I'm increasingly believing is an overall negative impact on our country's national discourse is either the greatest or the worst that has ever happened. And people have a Disney-like and childlike breakdown of complicated issues. The NBA is good. Adam Silver is great. Roger Goodell is awful. And the NFL is a disaster. There's no ability to look at this and say, well, you know what? Two businesses, both of which are in the business of making money, both actually had the exact same response to a very similar crisis, except the NBA was actually more aggressive in punishing a player than the NFL was. Colin Kaepernick was given greater freedom to make his political statements in the NFL in 2015 than Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was given to make his political statements in 1996, both directly connected to the national anthem and yet I bet I'm the first person who is actually, you've heard, make that connection between the two or point out that while Steve Kerr is out here ripping the NFL's policy, 
the NBA's policy is actually more difficult when it comes to political statements during the course of the national anthem. I also want to read you this quote, and I read it to you yesterday, and I think it's a good one. Um, this was in uh, an article about uh, about Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf uh, from the New York Times. The uh, NBA Players, uh, NBA PA, the NBA Player Association head is was asked uh, why there was no kneeling going on in the NBA. Why haven't players done the same thing as happened in the NFL? And I think this is true. The uh, Her name is Michelle Roberts. She said uh, they, meaning the NBA players, don't need to take a knee when they can communicate their messages on their own. LeBron James, all he has to do is tweet and everybody knows exactly how he feels. That's right. If you're on social media... It's never been easier to express your opinion, whatever it is. The idea that you need to use your time in uniform while being employed to make that statement is, I think, laughably absurd. If you're eloquent, you can go on social media and make the case. You can then go on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. You can do your own broadcast on Periscope or Facebook Live now. You can distribute your own content, video and audio, to the masses. I've got over 100,000 people a day on average watching my afternoon Periscope and Facebook shows. Go look at them. I pin them at the top of my Twitter feeds. 50,000 people or something watched yesterday. Hundreds of thousands have watched that video this week. And that's just me. I don't have 50 million Twitter followers or whatever the heck uh, LeBron James has. I don't have a ton of people. I don't even have an Instagram account. You've never had an easier time to get your message out, whatever that message might be, than you do right now. But ask yourself this. Why have so few people in the media actually looked at the NBA and the NFL anthem policies and pointed out that when faced with controversy, both leagues did almost the exact same thing? Because connecting a protest to the national anthem is bad for league business it's not going to be allowed in either the NBA or the NFL. And if it happened in Major League Baseball or it happened in the NHL, I guarantee you they would have the same response. You may not like it, but ultimately the color that matters the most in this country is green. And if you start to take some of the green away from the leagues, they're going to respond. NBA faced the exact same situation 20 years ago. They did even more aggressively in their restriction on what Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was able to say compared to Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players. I'm going to open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Let you uh, respond to that. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Friday edition, before Memorial Day. Many of you probably in your car, driving all over the place. Hope you guys are having a fantastic morning. Thanks for spending it here with Outkick. Your call's next, 877-996-6369. This is Fox Sports Radio. Shop Lowe's for Memorial Day savings. Get up to 40% off appliance special values. That's up to 40% off some of the best brands in the business. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 6-6. Exclusions apply. See store for details. U.S. only as well. Now's a fantastic time to buy a new Honda. Visit shophonda.com or visit your local Honda dealer today. I am Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having Fantastic early starts to your Memorial Day weekend. We are talking about the difference between the NBA 
and the NFL response to different player protests during the national anthem. And in fact, how they're almost identical, despite the fact that everybody out there wants to try and treat them differently. They are the exact same moreover. And I think this is important. Um, You can't make an argument that Colin Kaepernick's protest is not about the uh, national anthem and the flag because Colin Kaepernick made it about that. I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. He specifically attacked the flag as part of his protest, which is why I've said from the get-go, it's a bad way to protest. Protest at the most basic level is about finding allies. Because if you are protesting something, you are seeking to change the way that something currently exists. And in order to do that, you need to grab allies. And antagonizing people off the jump ain't the way to do it. Because much of what Colin Kaepernick has done is say, you are to blame, I am the victim. And people don't respond typically very well to being blamed and being told that you are the victim. Just to, And no matter what you're protesting, if I wanted sports gambling to change, I don't get sports gambling changed by attacking other people and saying they are the reason why this is done, you make the case for why your side deserves attention or deserves change. If you begin by attacking someone or something, it's very unlikely that you're going to gain very much support because the people that you're attacking automatically recoil against the idea that they are to blame. When you attack the flag and say, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag. You directly are attacking the country and the flag in the mind of the vast majority of the American public. Therefore, your next step of trying to change something is made all the more difficult. Basic protesting 101. I don't know how to make it any more simple. Are you guys surprised that we actually haven't gotten more nuanced discussion of this issue and that it's turned into... Not surprisingly to me, but maybe it is surprising to you guys. Oh, the NBA does everything right and the NFL does everything wrong when it comes to situations like these. Jason Martin. Here's my case from top to bottom. The biggest celebrities in American sports by far are NBA players. Now, a few select NFL quarterbacks you can put in that discussion, but you can argue that the fourth best Golden State Warrior is more known and is a bigger pure star than any wide receiver any running back, or virtually anybody outside of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and those few select quarterbacks. Even Nick Foles is unrecognizable to the vast majority, not just of the general population, but of sports fans. Now, Thus, to be fair, that's partly because players play in helmets. Yeah, well, I was getting to that. If that we, that's part if of we it. Played, that's if we had true. old school football and guys played in leather helmets and you could see their faces all the time, that would make a substantial difference because so many more people watch the NFL. But for most of the shots of stars on an NFL field, they're wearing a helmet, so you don't connect with them in the same way that you do a guy who's on the basketball court, for instance, who doesn't have any headgear, who doesn't have a helmet, who doesn't have anything to distract from our ability to recognize them. Yeah, and I've made that point many times on this show. We see every emotion while NBA players are at work in addition to outside of it. It matters. It gives them recognition and star power. I think it means their social media accounts mean more. Plus, the NBA, unlike the NFL, 
encourages individual social messaging and activism. They have forever. Recall the I Can't Breathe shirts, the opening to the ESPYs a few years ago, and the NBA fan base, I would say, is also more in line with a lot more of those opinions. The NFL's finding guys for the wrong socks or for doing anything outside the line because at the end of the day, the Shield cares about the Shield. The bottom line is the bottom line, literally and figuratively. The NFL got this wrong originally. That first preseason game when Cap sat, you call them into the offices and you say, look, hey, we understand, we get it. You're dedicated to this cause. You're trying to bring awareness to it. That's laudable on the surface. But we just can't have this while you're on the clock. Let's find another way. you got to do this on your own time. You can't do something that's going to upset our customer base that isn't reflective of the majority of the league. If you continue to do this, we have no choice but to fine you 50000 per week. We're sorry, but that's the way it is. We wish you the best. We might even agree with you, but we simply can't have this. The bottom line is the bottom line. Freedom of speech is not the same as freedom from consequence. Those two things are mutually exclusive. Even they don't beyond, come in concert. This. Let me say this. You don't have freedom of speech at your job. Like, this this is something that no one else seems to understand, and I think you're setting a bad precedent in the country because there are lots of kids growing up today that see this story and don't understand. When you take a job, you agree to exchange your freedom. In other words, look, if you don't have a job in this country today, You can wake up and do anything you want within the law all day long, every day. But when you agree to accept a job, you are giving up your freedom of doing whatever you want in exchange for the responsibility to do what your boss tells you to do. As part of that bargain for exchange, you get money. That's how capitalism works. If you don't like what you are being paid to do, then you can quit. We don't have forced labor in this country anymore. But as part of that process, you do not get the right while you're in your uniform at work to advocate for your political beliefs regardless of what those are. That doesn't exist. There isn't a single person in America today going into work on Friday who could show up at work and say, hey, instead of working today, I'm going to walk around with a Bernie Sanders sign or a Donald Trump hat and try to convince everybody to support my political cause. You can't do that. And if you do decide to do it and your boss doesn't like it, he or she can tell you, hey, if you keep doing this, we are going to fire you for it. And everybody would get fired. So this whole idea of the First Amendment is being flagrantly misapplied by, frankly, people who are too stupid to understand what the First Amendment is. Your private employer does not have an obligation to allow you to share your opinion on everything under the sun. They pay you to make money. And even if they don't pay you to make money, if you're a public employee, you're not allowed to do this. There isn't a single soldier in America today who during roll call could decide that he doesn't want to stand in front of his commanding officer because he's upset about something going on in the world. There isn't a single cop in America today 
who could pull somebody over for speeding and go to their window wearing a Make America Great Again hat. He or she would get fired immediately. This misapprehension and connection of the First Amendment to on-the-job employee behavior, which the employer does not want to have happen because it's bad for their business, is, I think, one of the biggest flaws of this entire damn story. There's no connection to the First Amendment at all. Players give up tons of First Amendment rights in order to play the game. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you get fined for a celebration in the end zone, you've given up your First Amendment rights to celebrate. When you can get fined on the field for using bad words and get penalized, you are giving up your First Amendment rights inside the context of the game itself. Something Colin Kaepernick should know well because he was fined for uttering a racial slur during a game. This idea, you can't even wear the clothes that you would choose to wear. In order to accept a paycheck to play in the NFL, you agree to wear the uniform that the NFL provides you. The cleats, the socks, the wristbands, the helmet, the jersey number, all of those things restrict your First Amendment rights. You might want to show up dressed like Spider-Man. Guess what? You have a First Amendment right to dress like Spider-Man and stand on the street corner screaming that global warming is going to kill us all. You don't have the right to dress like Spider-Man and show up at an NFL stadium and scream about any political opinion you want. You do not have the right when you are an employee to do whatever you damn well please. If you're not an employee, you do. But your employer has the right to demand that you do the labor as he or she sees fit. And if they decide that you are not doing it as as they see fit, they fire you. Every single person driving into work today knows exactly what I'm talking about. We don't live in a country where you get paid for a job and you get to pick the things that you want to do at your job. Most people have a boss. There are lots of things that every single person who has a job this morning driving into work doesn't like about their job. There are lots of things that people don't enjoy. You don't get the right to decide which of those you're going to do and which of those you're not going to do and still remain employed. So when I look at this comparison between Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf and Colin Kaepernick, I say... Yeah, the leagues responded the exact same because they are businesses and saying that you are not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. That's not something that's helpful to the NFL's business. I'd fire his ass in a heartbeat. If I had been running the San Francisco 49ers, I would have sat down with him. I would have said, look, if you're going to keep doing this, I'm going to fire you. Your ass already got beat out by Blaine Gabbert. We'll pay you the rest of your contract. Somebody else can go hire you. That's their problem. If you're a San Francisco 49er, it's bad for our business. It's bad for our league if you're not going to stand for the national anthem. You can disagree with me. You go make your own money. You can buy your own team. You can implement your own rules. You can also found your own football league. And in that football league, you don't have to stand for the national anthem. If you believe there's a huge market for what you're trying to sell, then go sell it. 
you're entitled to your political opinions. Run for the Senate in California. Run for the governor. Maybe even Colin Kaepernick decide to vote in a damn election, something that you've never done in your life before. Maybe don't show up in pig socks. Maybe don't make the decision right after your protest to show up in a Fidel Castro t-shirt. Maybe actually have a coherent political philosophy. You can do all of that, but I don't have to pay you to do it. You're out. That's what should have happened. That's what I would have done. Would have solved this problem immediately. If another NFL owner would agree with Colin Kaepernick, they can sign him. They can have him kneel. Decide it's good for their business. That's their right too. You know what? Nobody has. You know why? Because it ain't good for the business. And this flagrant misapprehension and inability to understand the most basic protocols here of business is, I think, just a testament to how few people actually think like business owners. You're driving into work today. You know the best way to end up getting a promotion? Think like you own the business. Think like you own the business. Don't have an employee mindset. Have an owner mindset. Have a businessman's mindset. Businessman is always trying to look for a way to make more money or preserve the money that he already has. That's the underlying story here that most people don't get. Because 95% of Americans don't think like business people. They don't think like business owners. They don't think like people who are trying to create something out of nothing. They think like employees. They want to get paid. They don't want to make the paychecks. The moment you start thinking like an owner or an employer is the moment you free your mind. And then you have the ability to actually start to make substantial money. Think like an owner, not like an employee. Most people think like employees. And if you think like an employee, you'll probably be an employee for the rest of your life. If you start training your brain to think like an owner, then you will start to understand much of the decisions that are made in America today. Because as I have told you all the time, it's about economics. It's the money stupid. It's about green. You find a way to create more of it, you get power and prestige and more money. You find a way to create less of it and you find yourself unemployed. Colin Kaepernick, with the decisions that he made, just like Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, they made decisions that go directly into the owner's pocketbook. The NFL, this is a great stat that again, you're not going to hear very many other places. The NFL ratings were down 20% over the last two years. In the most recent year in the NFL, Fox, NBC, CBS, and uh, ESPN, everybody who carries these games, they lost over $600 million last year off of what their projected revenue numbers were. They had to provide, as a result, hundreds of millions of dollars in free advertisements to their sponsors in order to pay for their product. They lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you know what players think about there? They're thinking like employees, not like owners. That's why the owners feel like they have to be the adults in the equation. Players don't know where their money comes from. Most employees don't. 
They get a paycheck and they don't think how they got that paycheck. Do you know where the money for all of the players comes from? Fans! Fans pay your salary. When you get right down to it, fan interest is why you make the millions of dollars you do. Now the money gets funneled in a bunch of different ways through television rights, ticket sales, beer in the stadium, jerseys. All of that money rolls in and the NFL players are in direct partnership with the owners. They get an established percentage of the revenue under their salary cap. When you alienate fans, you are taking money directly out of your own pocket. This is why Michael Jordan saying Republicans buy sneakers too was absolutely genius. He gets criticized for this now. Jordan was a genius. He understood he was a businessman. And his goal was to sell his brand to everybody. I don't want just white people to listen to my radio show. I don't want just black people to listen to my radio show. I don't want just brown people to listen to my radio show. I don't want just yellow people to listen to my radio show. I don't want just guys to listen to my radio show. I don't want just women to listen to my radio show. I want every damn person in America to listen to my radio show. That's because I'm a capitalist. I want my audience to be as broad as it can possibly be. That's what Michael Jordan was about. That's what smart athletes should be about. They don't realize that what they're doing is slicing and dicing up the consumer such that ultimately they're cutting out their own legs underneath them. Ownership and league management sees this. They see the big picture And they're saying, my God, 20% of our fan base has disappeared. We got to get those people back. That's what the NFL is thinking. Back in the day when Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf started his protest, David Stern looked at it and said, this is bad for us. The reason why I can pay the players what I can pay them is because of our revenue and our profit. If our revenue and our profit starts to go down, then we are going to make less money. When somebody like Delaney Walker, the Titans tight end, says, well, if fans don't like it, don't show up. That's literally the worst thing you could say. Players are like, oh, we're not getting consultation. We're not being talked to enough. That's because the owners look at the numbers and can tell you we're in a partnership and you guys are not making smart decisions. You're alienating the people who are paying your salary. And when all of those guys call in, from Fox and NBC and CBS and ESPN, and they say, hey, NFL, we're losing hundreds of millions of dollars off of your product. What do you think the response is going to be? We better figure out a way not to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. The way this story has been covered is like everybody's an employee, like nobody's an owner. It drives me insane. Let's find out what's trending now. All right, let's get to your Geico playoff report in the NBA playoffs. Game 5 Western Conference Finals. Rockets over the Warriors, 98-94. Eric Gordon off the bench led Houston with 24 points as the Rockets win despite James Harden going 0-11 for from behind the three-point line. Houston takes a 3-2 series lead. However, in the win, Houston may have lost Chris Paul. He left in the final minute with what appeared to be a serious right hamstring injury. Didn't speak to reporters afterwards. No word on his status for Game 6 in uh, in Oakland on Saturday. Baseball, one game of note. Battle of division leaders. Astros beat the Indians in Cleveland 8-2. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. 
experience in the NFL. New England Patriots star tight end Rob Gronkowski, who was hinted at retirement recently, reportedly is on the verge of signing a reworked contract. It'll include either a raise or an extension. Gronk's currently the fourth highest paid tight end in the NFL in terms of average annual salary. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studio. All right, I'm going to open the phone lines up. I just preached to everybody, just gave you a lesson in intelligence that you won't hear anywhere else in sports media. You can react. 877-996-6369. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. The good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes, You could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. This is where players need to come out and say this. This is is a stat that you're also not going to hear very much. Do you know that NFL players get 47% of league revenue? They are literally in bed with NFL owners. They're both incentivized to grow the pie as much as possible. If that pie decreases, do you know what happens? NFL players like make less money. Athletes in this country have gotten so used to their income going up that they've forgotten where that income comes from. If people stop liking your product as much, you make less money. That's a simple rule of business. I don't think most NFL players understand that. I don't think it's most and it just not just most NFL players either. It's most people in this country. They have no idea where their money comes from. The more money your company makes, in theory, the more money you're going to make. And in cases like these where it's defined, NFL players are guaranteed under their collective bargaining agreement 47% of league revenues. That's how they get paid. If league revenues decline because people like your product less because you are politicizing it, then you make less money. I just, I, it, it's amazing to me how many people don't understand this. Kyle in Oakland, what's up? Um, I gotta say, I, I'm kind of torn. I agree with you, and I disagree with you at the same time. Sound like my wife. <laughs> well, so yes or no? It, it is Colin Kaepernick's or any other player. Any other players, God-given American right to choose to protest. Correct. You can do, you can say whatever you want, and and the uh, and the team has the right to respond however they want. Exactly. Yeah, that that was going to be my next point. Is that the NFL, as a private institution, has the right to fine you or penalize you in any other way? If that is their choice, and you're under a contract of employment with them. So I don't know which way to go with you because I I believe in both points. Um, well, thanks for the call. But here's the deal. I would go with the side that makes you more money because that's why your business exists. I, I mean, that's why capitalism exists. They are getting all the revenue numbers and all the TV ratings numbers that show that their league is less liked now than it was two years ago. If you are a business owner, regardless of what your business is, and your business is declining by 20%, How many businesses would not have an all-hands-on-deck meeting about that? And if you found out your business was down 20% because people are on the internet too much at work and not working hard enough, you'd probably restrict internet access. If you found out your business was down 20% because everybody was leaving at noon instead of staying until 6 o'clock, you'd probably say, hey, nobody gets to leave at noon now. 
if you found out your business was down 20% because your costs were way out of line and suddenly the t-shirt that you'd been producing for $3 was now costing you $9, you'd figure out a way to make the t-shirt for $3 again. That's how business owners think. Players don't. Employees don't. They think like employees. Well, the adults in the room have to cut the paycheck. And ultimately, you're in a rev share agreement with them. Tim in Nashville. What's up, Tim? So uh, I pay 100 bucks to go to a game. $46 goes to the Titans teams, and uh, they come out on the field and kneel and tell me they don't appreciate my contribution. Uh, I was on the air with uh, uh, Derek Mason days after the Delaney Walker thing. My problem with what Delaney Walker did is he had a forum where he could tell everybody why he was protesting, and he chose to tell everybody, uh, well, if you don't like what we're protesting about, never mind that I'm going to tell you what that is, don't come to the game. I won't yep. go to the Titans game until he makes a public apology. It, it's, a, it's a good point, like, and it's simple, what you just said. When you pay $100 for a ticket to an NFL game, basically you're giving $47 to the players on the field. If the players on the field are doing something that makes you less likely to give that ticket money to the team, you're taking money directly out of their pocket. They don't see it because their contracts are somewhat guaranteed. I'm going to get to all your calls. This is a basic economic lesson, a basic business lesson. It's important for kids to understand. You don't get paid, typically, to share your political opinion if you're an athlete or if you're a tow truck driver or anything else. You get paid to deliver and labor. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Last hour of the show, uh, we are trying, I'm trying to give you a business lesson, trying to make you a capitalist or at least understand capitalist motivations, because I think there are relatively few people who actually do that in the world of sports media. And I'm using that as a jumping off point to talk about the NBA and the NFL and their anthem policies. And uh, certainly, we also started off the show by talking a great deal about what happened in Game 5 last night. We're going to re-hit that off the top. If you're waiting online uh, on the phone lines to talk with us, I'll go to you. So hang out with me here for a sec. I want to reset for everybody out there who is waking up across the country. And by the way, if you're just waking up across the country... Uh, First of all, good morning. Secondly, you should download our podcast, as millions of you are doing every single month. Uh, Get out there, search out OutKick on uh, on iTunes, download it. You'll get all entirety of the show, assuming Justin Cooper puts up the right show. uh, By 30 minutes after this show ends, you can listen to it all day. I know many of you probably are also in your cars, driving to airports, driving to different parts of the country, heading out for Memorial Day weekend. Be safe, but it's a good time to download the podcast. Got a kids back in the back of the car. I know I drove down to Florida for the long Memorial Day weekend. I'm here now. And uh, you got kids in the car. Sometimes you want to just chill and listen to what you want to listen to. Plug in your headphones. Listen along to this show, to the afternoon show, everything else. I'm taking my boys to a water park here later today. And you know what I'm going to do in the car? Driving to the water park? Probably listen to Howard Stern. So I hope you'll listen to me. Download the podcast. Good time to uh, to go ahead and get subscribed. Be able to scroll through. Hopefully we'll keep you entertained. Last night, it was not a great game. Not even a well-played game. Felt a little bit like we had gone back in time to a physical 1990s era NBA. But the Rockets came through, got the win. They're now up 3-2. And uh, we got a lot of reactions last night. First, Steve Kerr explaining what happened with the pass to Draymond Green that went astray. Here he is. 
I think Clay may have been in the far right corner, so we had the floor spread. I, th I thought Draymond just rushed it a little bit and fumbled it, um, but it, you know, it was the play was unfolding nicely. It just didn't turn out, obviously. Draymond Green was asked about what has frankly turned into the biggest story of the game going forward, the hamstring injury to Chris Paul that happened late in that game. He was not able to finish. How will the Warriors contemplate the injury to Chris Paul? This was the response. We got to prepare like he's going to play. You know, he's a great player. Um, right in the middle of everything they do. We're not going to come out and, you know, go back home and say, oh man, Chris Paul ain't playing. Like that's that's their focus and not ours. Ours is to prepare as if he's playing. And if he's not, then, you know, we got to make an adjustment. But I'd rather adjust to him not playing uh, as opposed to trying to adjust to him playing. Um, this is, uh, that's Draymond Green. And then uh, Steph Curry, this was the funniest part of the game. Uh, we got to give credit out here. Chris Paul hit some unbelievable shots. He was got Steph Curry all over him. He had David West all over him. I mean, the Rockets won this game partly because the Warriors couldn't execute in three straight possessions down the stretch, but also because, let's be honest, Chris Paul hit some wild shots in the second half that allowed the Rockets to be in control of this game late. And one of those, uh, a three-pointer that he drained as the shot clock was running out right in Steph Curry's face, led to a great shimmy as he ran down the court. And this was uh, uh, Steph Curry responding to see, uh, Chris Paul's shimmy. Oh, it was well-deserved. It's a tough shot. If you can shimmy on somebody else, you got to be all right getting shimmied on. So I'll keep shimmying, and maybe he will too. So we'll see what happens. If you can shimmy on somebody else, you got to be okay getting shimmied on is one of the most profound statements I've ever heard an NBA player make. Uh, we head back to uh, the Warriors game six. They're now an 11-point favorite, uh, which is a massive favorite in this series. Most people seeming to believe that Chris Paul not going to have a lot of impact in game six, even though Chris Paul is saying that he's going to be okay. That injury looked pretty severe to me. Uh, I asked you which team is more likely to come back from a 3-2 series deficit and win the series in seven, the Warriors or the Cavs. The Warriors, 74% of you voting. In fact, the Warriors uh, are more likely, according to you guys, the Warriors are also right now still the favorites to win this series, even though they're down 3-2, which would mean the Warriors are likely to be favored in Game 7. We'll see what happens with Chris Paul. That'll be on Monday night. We'll be here on Tuesday breaking it down. By the way, J-Mart will be in Monday on Memorial Day. I'm taking that day off with the kids. Uh, but um, J-Mart and Jeff Schwartz will be in. All right, we have got uh, loaded lines, 877-996-6369. And what we've been talking about is this NFL and NBA-related controversy. And my argument is that what most people are missing here is this is about business. People want to talk about the First Amendment. They want to talk about racism. They want to talk about police. They want to talk about all these other different stories. My argument is pretty straightforward. The reason why the NFL doesn't want politics mixed with the NFL is because it's bad for business. Ratings are down 20% in the past two years. I think people are slowly coming around to my understanding and my hypothesis that the primary reason NFL ratings are down 20% and the primary reason that CBS, NBC, Fox, and ESPN missed budget by over $600 million due to reduced NFL ratings is because people don't want politics mixed with football. 
The NFL appeals to the vast majority of the American population. There is a substantial portion of America's sports fan base that does not want politics mixed with sports. And so I am saying this is not a partisan move by the owners. This is not them picking Donald Trump. This is not them making a decision to thumb the nose, thumb their nose at the players. This is about basic business. If your business declines 20% in two years, it means you're doing something wrong and you have to rectify it. NFL players don't get that ultimately if the NFL business declines, it's bad for them too because their paychecks are pegged to NFL revenues. They make their money. 47% of all NFL revenue goes to the players. If you are spending, as one of our callers just pointed out, $100 on an NFL ticket, the players get 47 of those dollars. So when players come out and say, oh, we don't care what the fans think, to me, that's stupid. Any business person has to care what the fans think. You got to think like an owner, not like an employee. Open phone lines, 877-996-6369. I talk to the business side of this radio all the time. If my bosses in the radio show come to me and say, hey, Your revenue is down 20% this year over last year. It means I'm doing something wrong and I would have to adjust or I would get fired. Some people out there might say, I do the radio for me. I don't care what other people think. Well, that's not a very good way to run a business. Ultimately, I am judged based on the revenue that I produce. More revenue I produce, the better my bosses like me. More revenue you produce, the better your bosses are going to like me. The more revenue my company produces, the better off I am. That's basic business thinking. That's the foundation of capitalism. What has happened here is players don't understand or haven't been explained to them how their actions are impacting the overall NFL brand. And this is not unique to NFL players. There are two ways to think in this country today like an employee or like an owner. If you think like an owner, you understand completely what the NFL did and why the NFL is doing the same thing that the NBA did back when Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf protested the anthem in 1996, except not as egregiously punishing the players. They are saying, this is bad for business. We have to rectify it. It's simple. It's about one color green. The more you have of the green, the better you're doing in a capitalistic society. The less you have, the less well you're doing. This is not, the NFL isn't, an entertainment creation that's designed solely to make no money. The reason why the NFL exists is to make money. The reason why players get paid is because the league makes money. If the league makes less money then the players are going to make less money. And that's why I think and why the title of my book coming out in September is Republicans Buy Sneakers Too. Michael Jordan gets criticized for not being political. In reality, he was brilliant. He was trying to appeal to the largest possible audience, which is the goal of every single capitalist and every single business person. I don't want to just sell to one market. That's why I'm on in 300 markets. I could have stayed and kept doing local radio in Nashville for the rest of my life. I dominated there. We had ratings the likes of which no other show 
in the entire country had. I could have continued to dominate there in Nashville alone for the next 30 years of my life. I could have dominated. You know what I want to do? I want to dominate more places because I'm a businessman, because I'm a capitalist. Why dominate in one city when you can dominate in 300? Why dominate as a columnist in one market when you can go on the internet and be read all over the country? I want the biggest markets. I want the biggest audience. My goal is to expand and do things in sports talk radio that haven't been done before. May not succeed, but that's my goal. How do I measure that goal? By how many markets I'm on, by how much revenue I produce. That's how owners think. That's how business people think. If you think like an employee, you're like, oh, I don't care about that. I care about me. Eh, it's a bad look. It's what the NFL's saying to you. Josh in Napa. What's up, Josh? Hey, Clay. So I'm thinking of the NFL as a business. Let's say it's a grocery store, and they got 32 store locations, i.e. the franchise. How is that collusion if the NFL is one business telling all the other store locations, hey, this guy's bad news, don't hire him? Uh, it's a smart question, and that gets into – it's a really smart question. And talking about Colin Kaepernick's lawsuit – it's because that's not technically true. The way to think about this is you have 32 different businesses that are all, for instance, under uh, one uh, one larger context or like one larger deal. The It would be an interesting question, a more interesting question, if, for instance, this was the MLS. Because then this is getting complicated, but the MLS is a single entity. That is, the MLS is owned by one group. For instance... You couldn't accuse the UFC, I don't believe, of collusion because they wouldn't let you fight in any of the matches because the UFC owns the entirety of the UFC. But if the UFC was made up of 32 different individual franchises, then you would be able to argue the 32 different franchises. It's a a technical point, but it's a good one. The difference is the ownership structure. Those 32 stores are all owned by different people. Uh, Let's go to Ken in LA. What's up, Ken? Like, the very, yes. very eloquent discussion you're having here. I'm just sick and tired of writers throughout talking about First Amendment rights being thwarted and quoting players who have that perspective. Maybe have no idea what they're talking about. And there's consequences that come with speech, and the employers have the right to distance themselves and to tell the players, we're not going to do that. Yeah, thanks for the call. Here's my thing. I don't know if the owners don't do a good job. I don't know if Roger Goodell doesn't do a good job. I don't know if it's the size of the NFL and the fact that they have 1,700 employees. But I would have an all-hands-on-deck meeting, and I would share all the revenue that we have internally at the NFL. Here's the data on our ratings being down 20%. Here's the data on our television partner losing hundreds of millions of dollars. You can argue that it's a total coincidence that that has started with the protest. In other words, the NFL is at an all-time high in ratings and is rolling to a degree that has never been equaled by any pro sports franchise in the history of America. And then two years ago, everything changes and you start to precipitously decline. I might buy into, oh, it's cord cutting. Oh, it's Netflix. Oh, it's the election. Oh, it's politics. If that were not having zero impact on every other sport, college football ratings in the playoffs, up. NBA ratings in the playoffs, up. NHL ratings in the playoffs, up. NCAA tournament ratings, for the most part, up. 
why is every other sport continuing to grow, albeit somewhat slowly, and the NFL is losing 20% of its audience? From a business perspective, my hypothesis is it's the politicization of the NFL. And it's bad for business. And so I don't understand why the NFL wouldn't have an all-hands-on-deck with players say, hey, we're your partners. You get 47% of the revenue. Here's what we project on the revenue based on the impact of you guys deciding that you want to protest during the national anthem. And our next television deal and our next collective bargaining agreement, you're going to all make less money. Are you willing to take a 20% decline in your paycheck in order to talk about politics during the football games? Because that's what you're effectively arguing right now. If so... We think that's a bad move because we're in the business to make money. And you may not like it, but the more people you talk to about politics, the more people you alienate. My grandma, God rest her soul, told me when I was young, two things should never talk about in conversation. Politics and religion. Because if people agree with you, they'll know. If they don't agree with you, they may well never want to talk to you again. You're not going to convince somebody that their religion is wrong and yours is right over dinner. You're not going to convince somebody that your politics is right and theirs is wrong over dinner. People don't come to sports to have politics preached to them. It's bad business. And the data reflects that I'm correct. Grow another great stat for you. Share this one. Michael Jordan in 2016. This is in my new book. Michael Jordan in 2016 sold more pairs of sneakers and made more money off shoes than every current NBA player playing today. More than Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, toss in every player, roll them up together, Michael Jordan made more money than all those people did combined. You know why? Because Jordan wasn't political. I really do believe that. All right, we've got loaded lines. Jason Martin is going to line you all up. I promise I will get to all of you. 877-996-6369. we got a lot of kids who listen to us. I think it's important you're learning all sorts of stuff you're not going to use. I did trigonometry. You know how many times I ever used trigonometry in my life? Zero. I did geometry. You know how many times I ever used geometry in my life? Zero. You know how many business classes they taught me in high school? Zero. You know how much I use business every single damn day. You know what I wish I had been taught a lot more about when I was in school? Business. I'm trying to preach to you a little bit here. My argument is regardless of what your race is, regardless of what your religion is, regardless of who your parents are, regardless of how good your high school is, regardless of whether you went to college at all, if you think like an owner, you're going to be a lot more successful in life than if you think like an employee. And right now, I believe many athletes are thinking like employees and I don't believe that they're following Jay-Z's advice. Don't be a businessman. Be a businessman. Right? Remember the famous line? Don't carry yourself like an employee who's just cashing a check. Be a business person. And if you're a business person, mixing politics and sports is bad. That's the truth. 
996-6369. We got loaded lines. I'm going to get to all of you. Jason Martin will load them up. Let him know where you're from. Let him know what you want to say, and he'll get you lined up. I'll get to all of you. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want. Jay-Z brings us back so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. That's why, again, if I were NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, I would ha- call in all 1,700 uh, uh, players, and I would give them a business analysis of what being political has done for the league in the past two years. And I would say, if you guys think that it's good for our television partners to lose $600 million last year, and given that we are legitimate partners here, that you get 47% of all league television revenue and other revenues, when people aren't buying tickets, when they aren't buying as much beer in our stadium, when our sponsors are being having their phone lines overloaded because people disagree with your politics, is that ultimately good for this business's bottom line? I think the answer is no. And let me give you all that data for why I think the answer is no. I understand that all of you out there, this is me if I were Roger Goodell talking to the NFL players, I understand that all of you out there have your own opinions about me and about every issue under the sun and that we're not going to agree on everything. And that's the great thing about America. Put it simply, opinions are like butts. Everybody's got one. It's one of my mom's favorite quotes. So this idea that you have an opinion doesn't surprise me. And in our politically fraught climate today where everybody feels like they have to be political all the time, it's not surprising to you that many of you have strong opinions on Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or who your senator is or who your governor is or what is said on social media or whatever else. My argument to you would be this. You aren't helping the business by being political in your uniform on the field. You all have Instagram accounts. You all have Facebook accounts. You all have Twitter accounts. You can be as active as you want politically on those accounts. I would suggest to you that being political is bad for your business in general. And I would point to Michael Jordan, and I would point out that he, in 2016, sold more shoes than every current NBA player in the entire league. And that as a result, him saying Republicans buy sneakers too is true. Because, and again, I'm talking as if I'm Roger Goodell to the NFL players right now. If you look around this room right now, all of you are very popular and very successful at what you do. There are millions of people who disagree with you on every single political issue who love watching you play football. And the more you talk politics, the less the evidence is showing us they enjoy you watching you play football. So you have a decision to make. We think it's bad for our business. We have all the data to support it that protesting the national anthem is leading to hundreds of millions of dollars in less revenue for our partners and ultimately that money is going to descend to your bottom line because you get 47% of the revenues of the league. If we start losing money, we all lose money and you make less money to play football. That's taking money out of your kids' mouths, out of your wives' pocketbooks, out of your own houses if it's so important to you to be political that you're okay with losing 30 or 40 percent of your overall revenue and salary 
I would submit to you, we thoroughly disagree with that. We want to grow revenue like all businesses in this country. And in order to do that, we have to not be political. That's what I would say. That's the business argument. And nobody is actually talking about it. Every other, every other sports league revenue is growing and their audience is growing. Why is ours not? Let me go to Eddie Garcia, then I'm going to go to all your calls. 877-996-6369. What you got for me, Eddie Garcia? Well, let's start you off with the Geico playoff report. Of course, a big game five of the Western Conference Finals in the NBA playoffs. Rockets over the Warriors, 98-94. Eric Gordon off the bench led Houston with 24 points. Chris Paul added 20 points. James Harden, despite going 0 for 11 from behind the three-point line, chipped in with 19 points. Houston has the 3-2 series lead, but they may not have Chris Paul for game number six. He left in the final minutes with what appeared to be a serious hamstring injury. Didn't speak to reporters afterwards. No word on his status for game six on Saturday in Oakland. One baseball game of note, Battle of Division Leaders, Astros over the Indians in Cleveland, 8-2. This report brought to you by True Car Online Car Shopping. Can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And also in the NBA, the Pistons are reportedly targeting former Raptors head coach Dwayne Casey, who was fired by Toronto after winning the Coach of the Year Award, and the Orlando Magic reportedly have expressed interest in Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo for their head coaching vacancy. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good stuff. As always, let's go to your calls. Doug and Boise. And by the way, before we go to Doug and Boise, somebody, Dante, on Twitter says, if you don't understand why the players were protesting, then you are part of the problem. No, I'm not. I'm a consumer. I don't give a damn about any athlete's political opinion, period. At all. Regardless of what they think. Whether they believe that abortion is murder or whether they believe that... Uh, We didn't land on the moon, and as a result, NASA should not receive any federal funding. There's plenty of people with political opinions out there who are professionally in politics if I want to seek that out. I don't give one damn bit of an opinion about any athlete's political opinion on anything or coach. I don't watch them for that. I watch them because they're good at basketball or they're good at football or they're good at tennis or they're good at golf. I legitimately don't have any interest at all in what they think about federal monetary policy or whether they're pro or anti the United Nations. I think that's the case for the vast, vast majority of the American population. We go to sports to escape the serious things in life. It's the toy chest of adulthood. Doug in Boise, what's up? He dropped. Let's go to Greg in Virginia. Hey, Clay, uh, not what I originally called for, but uh, you keep bringing up Michael Jordan, and uh, I think his his success goes back to uh, his background. You know, we all kind of grew up as with our leaders, mentors, coaches, parents, and uh, one of one of his great leaders when he was in his formative years was Dean Smith. Dean Smith, a really well-known Southern Democrat liberal, but you – you rarely, if ever, heard it enter into North Carolina basketball. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I've talked about this in my own life. When I wrote my first book called Dixieland Delight about going around to all 12 SEC football stadiums, there was a picture of me with a Harold Ford Jr. sticker in uh, at a University of Tennessee football game. 
And I had that photoshopped out for the pictures that went out in the book. And I said, why did I do that? I said, because my book is about SEC football. I think there's people who will be flipping through and they'll see my politics and they'll be like, oh, I didn't vote for that guy. I don't like Clay Travis as much as I did before. Now I and we're in such a political universe that I just tell you everything about me so that you can decide, okay, whether this guy's biased or not. Like, because I think at this day and age, like, I'll just tell you everything. You ask me a political question, I'll tell you the answer. I'm not going to spend my whole show talking about it. But you want to know what I think about abortion? I'll tell you. You want to know what I think about the Second Amendment? I'll tell you. You want to know what I think about who I voted for in 2016? I'll tell you. All that stuff. Just so, because I think disclosure and being honest is important to you because you spend your mornings with me every day and you need to know where I'm coming from. But not because I'm trying to tell you, hey, I believe X and if you don't believe Y, you're wrong. No, this is not about politics. This is about basic business and the lack of business comprehension in this country is fundamental to understanding why this story is covered the way it is. Most media members have no understanding of business. You know why I started OutKick and became a multimillionaire as a writer and just about every other writer is getting fired and not being employed in the modern social media and media environment? Because I looked around the universe and saw what was coming and decided I wanted to control my future. That I wasn't going to try to rely on being an employee. I had been at CBS. I'd been at Deadspin. I'd been at Time Warner. I'd been all those places, and I wanted to control my future as an individual writer. So I started my own company and started my own site. It wasn't that I was a genius. Lots of other people out there knew that their employment status was tenuous as well, but they didn't have the drive that I did. They didn't go out and sell every ad on a website that didn't exist before. They didn't write every article. I did what other people did not. That's called capitalism and taking advantage of a business market. And I don't think most players who are just thinking like employees instead of partners understand that. Scott in Ohio, what's up? For taking my call. I think the, I think some of these players have a fundamental fundamental misunderstanding of, of who they are. We've got these celebrities in Hollywood who stand on a platform and give their opinions and think it matters to everybody. Well, these guys are employees, and while their opinions might matter, not in that context, they don't. Give me an example. Uh, I think it was LeBron who came out a couple of months ago and said that his opinion was way too important to the culture for him to keep his mouth shut. Well, I love watching Le- LeBron James play basketball. I could care less what he thinks about, about politics and stuff. Um, and will culture collapse if LeBron doesn't speak? No. Will yeah. culture collapse if, if Colin Kaepernick doesn't kneel? No. Nobody cares. Play ball. We love um, watching these guys play ball. I'll pay to watch them play ball, but I will not pay for you to tell me what I have to think about social issues. Thanks, Clay. That's, a, that's actually a really good call. And by the way, there's ample evidence that nobody cares about LeBron James's politics either. He campaigned aggressively for Hillary Clinton in Ohio. Donald Trump came in and kicked Hillary Clinton's ass in Ohio. Lots of people in Ohio love LeBron James and root for the Cleveland Cavaliers aggressively and voted for Donald Trump and completely didn't consider his politics. LeBron James had zero impact politically in his own state where he brought a championship to in Cleveland. Donald Trump kicked Hillary Clinton's ass in his home state despite the fact that he campaigned for Hillary Clinton. That's because most people don't care about sports fans. I do say this is where social media factors in because they read their mentions 
And social media convinces everybody that we matter a lot more than we do. That everybody's sitting around all day long wondering what LeBron James thinks about the presidential election. The reality is 99% of sports fans don't give a damn what LeBron James thinks about politics. Or they certainly don't care enough for it to impact their life. But social media convinces us all that we're more important than we are. They've gamed the system. The like button, the retweets, the more likes and the more retweets you get, the more significant you are. Yeah, that's what Twitter's convinced us because that's how they justify their business model. That's what Facebook has convinced us because that's how they convince us, oh, you're experiencing a great thing. Well, it's not enough to experience it. You got to share it with everybody else who knows you. It's a great picture. Remember when the Pope... I think it was the Pope visited New York City and there was a picture of the Pope like coming by in a vehicle and every single person there on the rope line was trying to take a picture of the Pope except for one old woman who was just on the front row soaking it all in. That's how most of humanity used to exist. We didn't take out a picture to show everybody on social media, hey look, I saw the Pope. We saw the Pope. Maybe we talked about it. But we didn't need to take a picture so we could show everybody that we saw the Pope or that we saw the president or anything else like that. Now, the first thing most people think when they do something cool is, I got to make sure everybody else knows that I did something cool so I can get more likes or retweets. That's why the concert business has blown up in such a positive way in the past few years. You know why concerts make so much more money now, artists do, than they used to? Because people go on social media to brag about the fact that they just went to a concert. It's amazing. Uh, let's go to uh, Jim in Key West. What's up, Jim? Good morning, Clay. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank you for your ongoing continued support of law enforcement in this country. I'm a 29-year veteran, and I really do appreciate it. it well, thanks for – let me say that. Thanks um, for all the things that you guys do in law enforcement, because I think you guys are under siege unfairly. Uh, And regardless of what city you're in, law enforcement is not perfect. They're the only people who run towards gunshots. They're the only people who run towards violence every day. So thank what you guys do for us all over the country, even though it's now cool and trendy to be like, police suck. I believe the opposite. But thanks for the call. Uh, Thank you. And so as far as the business goes, I'll be a prime example. My wife was born in Milwaukee, and I was born in Miami, and, and her birthday's coming up, and I can't remember one where I did not buy her some kind of Green Bay logo uh, item, whether it be a jersey, a cup, a hat, or something like that. And you know what? This this birthday, not one penny am I going to spend on NFL merchandise. Um, I, I totally agree with you about standing for the national anthem. And there's another aspect with the, with the business side of this, too, that, that comes to my mind is, you know, when we have to go to a game uh, from the Keys, we, you know, we got to buy gas. Uh, we yep. buy the beer. We buy the ice. We buy the water. We buy the Cokes. And we buy all the, the, the car flags. And so there's collateral damage out there that's occurring from from that, you know, because we're not going to go. We, there's no way I'm going to drive to Miami and, and spend all that money and then on top of it buy the ticket and all the other things that go with it and watch them disrespect the flag in this country. Plain it's a great point. Yeah, thanks for the call. Um, and I think that the trickle-down effect on this is substantial, too. The players get 47% of the overall NFL revenue, but do you know who gets hurt by fewer people showing up in NFL stadiums right now? Guy trying to sell beer. Walking around, carrying 40 pounds of beer and ice at up and down the aisles. 
the guy who works in the parking lot. The guy who is the uh, seat attendant that gets tipped for cleaning off the snow or the rain or just helping you. All of those people get hit too. Austin in Indianapolis. What's up, Austin? Hey, how's it going, Clay? Living the dream, my man. Good. Um, I, I, I just had one quick thing to say. Um, nobody's really holding a gun to their head to you know keep playing like a sport that we pay them to like to watch. It's if if they don't agree how things are going. I mean, there's nothing holding them there. Like, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it, it, that's true of all labor, and that's true of all of us, right? Great lesson in humility is, no matter what you do, you're probably somebody would have your job if you didn't have it. I think I'm pretty good at radio. Do you know what would happen if I weren't doing radio? Somebody else would be talking to you in the morning in Fox Sports Radio, right? I think I'm really talented. Doesn't matter how talented you are, somebody else could do your job. Maybe not as well, but it's not like the job is going to cease to exist. If you're an NFL player and you're protesting, somebody could easily replace you and probably wouldn't be much difference. 877-996-6369. We'll finish with your calls. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Final segment of the week. Montel Jordan bringing us back. We've had a really smart conversation here. If you haven't heard it all, I guarantee you'll love the podcast on the business behind Anthem protests. Get away from the politics. Get away from the First Amendment. Just go to straight nuts and bolts, baby, right to the green. Uh, And if you do that, I think you end up with a lot more interesting discussion. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, let's go to, uh, let's finish up with some of your calls here. I appreciate all the uh, participation uh, today and hope you guys are having, by the way, a great Memorial Day early start to your weekend. Let's go to Daniel in Kentucky. What's up, Daniel? Hey, Clay. Hope, hope you're enjoying Florida. Um, Always. Yeah, what I wanted to say was, of all the major sports, um, you know, the NFL players, you know, they have the least amount of years in the league and the highest risk physically overall, generally. Yes. You would think that they would, you would, think that they would want to maximize their wealth more than any other sport. Like, if somebody told me that, that I had five years to make 90% of my overall wealth in my life i'm going to be a saint no it's it's actually a really good point the average nfl player lasts for four years so if i told you that you were only going to be in the league for four years are you going to spend it worried about politics are you going to spend it trying to stay out of trouble and maximize your revenue the best possible way it's a great point john in north carolina what's up john hey what's going on clay i just want to say first of all thanks for taking my call love the show listen to you every morning on my way to work um just wanted to say that uh you know i disagree a little bit that the ratings decline is solely based on the anthem protest uh and the political politicalization of the nfl i mean you look at the nba they've taken stance multiple times and they're trending up i think it can be more attributed to an inferior product being put out by the commissioner yeah um, i, I appreciate know, I, and i appreciate that call i'm going to try to get to everybody i just don't buy it I think the NFL product is not that much different on the field now than it was two years ago. I think the reason why every other sports ratings have been up, and it's not like the NBA surging. The NBA's up a little bit, like 2% over the last year. But college football was up. It, to me, is a function of the NFL getting away from just football. 
the brand itself, like I, I don't, I just don't buy into the football games in 2014 being infinitely better than the football games in 2018 or 2017. Nick in Evansville, Indiana. What's up, Nick? Hey, how's it going? Listen every morning, but uh, I don't always agree with what you say, and I think that this message that Kaepernick started has been pretty hijacked over the last few years. Why is him uh, doing what he did uh, political in a sense when he's just trying to bring problems to light? And, yeah, and well, because he specifically said, yeah, see, I don't think his, pro- his protest has been hijacked at all. When you say, when asked why you were protesting, quote, I'm not going to stand to show up pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, you're specifically making it about the flag. Like, you are politicizing the flag. Jeff in Virginia, what's up? Big fan of yours, man. Hey, uh, look, that's why I don't go to the movies anymore, Clay. I, I don't want to know your politics. And you ever notice that the new Rovish money is always, uh, it's always easy to be liberal and uh, care about all these things when you go into meetings. Uh, let's go to Val in California. Last call of the week. What you got for me? Hey, Clay, I think you might hate my uh, opinion on this because I actually think we need more politics. Our country is divided right now because we don't go to the polls and then we end up being represented by politicians who we didn't vote for. We've got to discuss more about politics. I think that's what athletes are doing is bringing the conversation to light. So we don't yeah, need to I talk disagree. about it during football. Yeah, I disagree completely that we need more politics in this country. Sorry. you could You can believe that? I think that there ain't a single person out there who's like, you know what? I want to know more about politics. I think social media makes us feel like we can't escape politics now. You can't get on Facebook without seeing what your Aunt Gladys thinks about the latest thing Donald Trump did. I don't think that's good for you. I've known my aunts for my entire life. I don't ever remember them talking about politics before. Now I can't stop seeing it every time I get on Facebook. We need less politics, more places to escape it. That's what sports is, baby. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. 
And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.